0: And welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 77. I'm Kip Clark.
1: And I'm Caroline Borders.
0: And today, we're going to be discussing a recent shift by Mattel to add more diversity to Barbie, the famous doll. And so, as a result of this decision, which will be implemented in 2016, there will be three new body shapes for Barbie, petite, tall, and curvy, as well as seven new skin tones, 22 eye colors, and 24 new hairstyles, which, as I said, will all begin this year. I'm really curious to know, Caroline, what your first reaction or thoughts were to this, because the... There's a lot here to unpack, and I'm very excited to have this conversation.
1: Precisely. And Barbie being the iconic doll made for specifically young girls, though recently there's been an ad out where a young boy is also in an ad for Barbie, makes me think about the genre of dolls in the toy industry and how far that's come and what Mattel is trying to become making their Barbies with different body types and different ethnicities. Makes me think about back in the 1940s, and this test has been repeated many times, when they did tests with black children called the Clark Dolls test. And they would ask a black child with two dolls in front of them, a white doll and a black doll, which is the bad doll. And the majority of the time, the child would point to the black doll, which is the beautiful doll. They'd point to the white doll, which is the good doll. They'd point to the white doll, which is the ugly doll. They'd point to the black doll. And then oftentimes at the end of the test, they'd ask, which doll do you want or which doll looks like you? For the doll who looks like them, they'd point to the black doll, which would imply that they were bad and they were ugly. And then for the doll they wanted, they'd want the white doll. So on one end, I think a lot of people are looking at this shift in Mattel as a positive thing, as something where in some way, shape, or form, young children are seeing that there is a very diverse array, or somewhat diverse, I guess, array of dolls and body types in the world, and that at least somewhat resemble them, maybe at least in skin color now. Barbie, as a criticism, is always very attractive. These dolls are still quite attractive, and that's not always a realistic representation. It will be interesting to see if what may be Mattel in making their dolls an array of ethnicities will neutralize those internalized values associated with race. And I think that's the best possible scenario from this. But I think we both have some skepticism about it. So what was your initial reaction to the whole thing?
0: Well, my initial reaction is that it's a step in the right direction on a road that perhaps should not have ever been tread upon. I think it's dangerous when We mass market a lot of things in a cultural sense because everyone is individual. And I know there are people, maybe traditionalists, who would scoff at that saying. But when you pave over what differentiates individual people, not necessarily groups of people and cultures, but the individual on the very, very fundamental level, then you're telling them how to be and who to be. And it's something that some of us receive more than others. All of us, I think, on some level are told who to be. And one very sinister aspect of the toys we play with and the things that we use is that there are often, if not always, values associated with them. And I was talking with a roommate minutes before we started recording and brought up the clear gender divide. And he said, well, yeah, Kib, I think you're probably well aware that this would never happen for a G.I. Joe. I don't see that being a possibility. And he also is not the first one to make that comparison. But it says a lot about the world we live in, or if only specifically the United States, that we care so much about that appearance. And so on one hand, I'm thrilled that young people, maybe specifically young girls, will be able to play with figures that represent how they envision themselves or what they aspire to be. But at the same time, it is limiting. And I also wonder, and I would love more psychological information about this, To what extent those images do affect children's creative ability to interpret and imagine otherwise, because as a child, I was able to imagine various landscapes and scenarios that were not present in my house. And I suspect that similarly, when you give children various toys, they will make those toys fit their imaginary and playtime situations. At the same time, I'd be wrong if I said that the subtle implications of constantly picking up a doll whose skin tone is different than yours and is believed to be more beautiful or more important than you wouldn't have some impact on your subconscious or potentially conscious perception of yourself. So it's great on that level, but I'm also very aware of the fact that with any doll and anything that's mass marketed, especially dolls though, their appearances are all the same. And so there is now a curvy line of Barbies in various skin tones and with various eye colors, but they are all modeled after something, whether it's an artist representation or various artists' collaborative efforts, there's a model there. And that's not really how people work. We all have various faces, various voices, and internally various ideas and thoughts. And I say ideas and thoughts because one critic named Carol Roth, who is a radio host, tweeted, having a curvy Barbie isn't a win for girls slash women. It's a win when the discussion is no longer about our bodies. And I find that very interesting and telling. And I've often wondered to what extent the toys boys and girls choose to play with are, in fact, choices and, in fact, associated with inherent quote-unquote masculine and feminine values and to what extent that's imposed i suspect with very little knowledge that it's a mixture of both to a degree but i also feel like culture has tremendous influence and it's not absurd to me that if we didn't tell girls to play with dolls they'd be fine playing with other things as well
1: but it's also interesting, and I think this is imposed in a way, that the dolls or just general toys or objects that girls are taught to want to play with or that they should want to play with are resemblant of them or what is supposed to be a somewhat realistic interpretation of them. So that makes me wonder why in the first place, Barbie is trying so hard when in its traditional past, the new Barbie really is reminiscent to me of a weird amalgamation of this really backwards kind of ideal that was very popular because I think capitalism and marketing kind of made it that way. And then with an absolutely unrealistic body type, which is highly, highly acknowledged And yet it's like we've made the Barbies taller and shorter and put some hips on them and they look the same and just as unrealistic. But it's like, oh, but now, like you were saying, like maybe the conversation will go away because they look a little bit more like the girls who are playing with them.
0: And a lot of the girls in the ads that I saw promoting this new change spoke about how they could make Barbie what they wanted her to be. And that's been the appeal of Barbie over the years, that she could be an astronaut, she could go out and have adventures while. Ken was actually home taking care of chores and how great that she could have these adventures. And I think that's interesting because Barbie has a face. In many ways, her appearance has been determined for her. And while her actions may be up to her discretion, we live in a culture where women are told that appearance is one of the most important things. And I feel like this is a product of that cultural value. And it also produces and further promotes that cultural value. And culture is very complex. And as an idea, it's very tangled and you can't always pinpoint origins or endpoints because that's not how we work as people. But I agree with many critics who say that it's still focused on fashion and appearance and telling girls, this is one of those things you need to value on some level. And I'd be curious to hear from maybe older generations who disagree with that critique and who say that this is a good thing. And those who do support this change, what their impressions are, because I'd like to stay open-minded about this. But for me, it does feel limiting just by the necessity of what is to mass produce a toy you can't make one for every girl that's not economically very feasible and before we began recording you had talked about the relationship between capitalist ideas and feminist ideals and i'd be very curious to hear if you have thoughts you'd like to elaborate as it relates to this
1: Well, I think that this shift is coming at a very obvious point for Mattel. I mean, the Barbie stock shares are going down and they need to do something in order to reinvigorate the line of dolls so that it would be, albeit very late, but a new, more forward-looking, progressive trend as our country in the last decade, I feel, has been moving in that trajectory. But it really, as you were saying, it's still Barbie. I think there's some tension here between trying to keep it Barbie and like that classic doll that has been so present in our society for 57 years and that need to keep it up to date. But there is a huge disconnect between something that is classic and something that is up to date. And I think with Barbie, I mean, they don't want it to die out, obviously. They want to keep making money off of it, which is the capitalist ideal. But then at the same time, they're claiming it's feminist when it's like, oh, we're just going to take this classic doll that has been criticized for years and years and years for being a false ideal to young girls, which I mean, I had a Barbie. I love Barbie when I was little. I'd play with Barbie all the time and I, I never questioned as a young girl, like, why would I? I never questioned, oh, I don't look like this. Am I ever going to look like this? Maybe I thought I would look like it when I'm older, like maybe I thought I'd have like boobs and hips and this is what I would look like maybe that's what I thought and that's a crazy thing to internalize because I don't look anything like Barbie now and to take a certainly outdated doll and simply make it just a little more unique maybe that can't be feminist to me
0: I agree. And one thing that I noticed when looking at all of these models and mock-ups is that because they are dolls, or perhaps because of our idea of what a doll is, they don't bear any flaws. Many of us will have skin abnormalities, will suffer, will deal with acne or various breakouts, or will have dimples, which scientifically could be seen as an abnormality, or won't have perfect facial symmetry, or our legs, and I say this as people, not just as women, will be certain shapes that maybe society doesn't deem attractive. Fat distribution will vary from person to person. And again, I recognize that on a manufacturing level, this may not be incredibly realistic, But I do think it gives the impression that life as an adult will be a very one-size-fits-all equation, even if there are now new varieties, it's still a limited quantity. And people, I would say by nature, are an unlimited quantity. There's always new possibilities in terms of appearance, which again is a very limited way of looking at a human being, regardless of gender or sex.
1: And I think it sets up, like you were saying, this crazy beauty standard, which is already in place in the U.S. And maybe with many different ethnicities represented among Barbies, the Clark test will be a little less accurate or a little less predictable as we go forward in time. But the idea that, oh, you can be curvy, you can be shorter, you can be taller, but you still have to be attractive is pervasive. It's pervasive and effective. And it's harder to see how internalized shame about your race comes about in dolls. But when it's so clear that Barbie is an attractive woman, regardless of whatever shape she holds, that's way more obvious and also problematic.
0: And one thought that just occurred to me, as we do have now a racialized product line, for lack of a better. Phrase, I'd be curious to see how vendors such as Toys R Us or other stores that carry Barbie will stock their shelves. And I'm very curious to know about certain more racially segregated communities because you and I have had conversations about places like Flint or Englewood where populations are predominantly black. And certainly there are communities in the U.S. where populations are predominantly white or Hispanic, etc. And with racially divided or predominantly minority communities, I'm curious. Curious to see if different stores stock different Barbies specifically and if little girls in hypothetically an all-white community will be confused by or will be misinformed by their parents or by anyone selling these Barbies about why there is now a variety. And the optimistic side of me hopes that parents have discussions and say, well, daughter of mine, that's how the world works. There's so many different types of people, but that also sounds simplistic. And I wonder if children will understand that concept because we as a society have deemed race, to be a characteristic factor of a person and I wonder if those conversations if had will lead to a better understanding of people because I'll be honest and say that I may never fully understand how complex race has become as a result of human history and I'm certainly on the white male side of it but I don't fully understand it and would be frankly petrified if a daughter or child of mine asked me to explain it because I wouldn't know where to begin I'd be happy to have that conversation but I think I'd feel anxious about telling my child what it means. And I'm a bit dumbstruck by that new possible conversation that could happen in the toy aisle. Do you have similar feelings?
1: Yeah, that makes me think about how these stores will stock their shelves. And if, I mean, it seems like these ads are really promoting like, oh, this doll looks like me. Like, oh, I can relate to this doll. And so will that mean that in a predominantly minority community, these stores will be stocked with predominantly minority dolls? Is that what is going to be viewed as most profitable? Or in a predominantly white community, will the shelves have fewer minority dolls? I mean, you really have to start thinking about that because it is all about being profitable at the end of the day. And then you think, will that perpetuate racial segregation or just the norms surrounding race and characteristics we associate with race? Because yeah, I understand you want to create relatability in the toys that children play with and something that is appealing. But then that at the same time is still being internalized as, oh, this is what I look like. This is what I'm going to be drawn to in real life as well. And that's dangerous. And I hope as we become more and more aware of the idea that the fight, for women's rights and minority rights in this country is far from over that parents can have that talk with their kids and explain that yes race is a very real thing in this country but it wasn't always like that race was a constructed thing to control other people and largely it is still like that today even though it is much more institutionalized and invisible but it's something that if you're aware of you have the power to change.
0: And we have started to focus on the racial aspect of this new diverse lineup, and as a result have focused less on the body types that are now being rolled out I'd be very curious to see if parents or guardians or even girls buying their own Barbies chose dolls who had at least one differing characteristic from their own sense of self. And when you talk about the idea of relatability and relating to others, for me, the pinnacle of that ideal is recognizing that you can relate to anyone on the basis of humanity. And I know that that is an ideal. And I also know that living a life of privilege, I have the ability to do that because I've never been forced to think about certain categories for the sake of my own cultural or actual survival. And I do recognize that. But in terms of relating, I guess I'd be a little bit saddened if girls only played with or identified with their own doll type. At the same time, I don't want to take away that ability to identify and to see yourself in some form as a doll. But I also think it's very limiting for any human being to only see themselves in one format because then you are inextricably linked to that appearance. And later in life, you may only assume associate with people who very narrowly fit within that guideline. And I wonder on a social level in terms of race and body type and various other factors that people are visually associating if it's going to cause more segregational ideas, even if in only minor or subtle ways. I don't feel like that's great for society, but I also know that I bear certain idealistic beliefs.
1: But I think that's also why the ads were kind of ignoring ethnicity. It's advertised that there are many more race and ethnicity is represented for Barbies, but in the ad themselves where actual little girls are playing with the dolls, they're like, oh, this one looks like my mom and this one looks like me. And they're kind of focusing on the body image thing rather than the race, even though that is very implicit in what's going on. And it's, I mean, why wouldn't they? It's very muddy to talk about race in an ad that's geared towards little girls who want to play with. Barbie dolls, but it just further invokes a fear in me that this conversation will be ignored because you can say that all the races and ethnicities are represented and therefore the problem is over.
0: I agree. I think that's a dangerous potential byproduct of a move like this the belief that representation is the same thing as having a difficult conversation and actually fixing social and human problems. And maybe it is very slowly a step in the right direction. And I'd also be very curious, again, thinking hypothetically into the future to learn what sorts of playtime situations emerge from these products and to see how little girls in 2018 are playing with these lines of Barbies and what sorts of pretend conversations their Barbies are having because kids are very aware and very observant and very honest in a way that as adults we've been socialized not to be. And so I'd be curious to see if those who are playing with these dolls at a young age or at any age really are actually starting, however awkwardly they might be, this conversation about human diversity. But Ultimately, I do come down on the cynical side that this emphasizes appearance in a way that traditionally has continued to be emphasized for women and the feminine ideal, which doesn't sit well with me.
1: I agree 100%.
0: So before we close the conversation, as always, what are some things you'd like the audience to think about or potentially look into?
1: What this conversation really makes me think about is the history of dolls and how it became so normative for especially girls to play with dolls. And I think it's an interesting thing to think about. I mean, what you played with when you were little, what was important to you. And for me, it was my dolls. I mean, I had an American Girl doll, I had Barbies. And actually, what's funny is that for the Barbie I had, I cut off all all her hair because I thought I would grow back. And I did it when I cut off all my hair. I went into the bathroom when I was about six years old and I cut off all my hair. I was bored and I did the same to my Barbies. Of course, I wasn't thinking at the time, oh, I want this doll to look like me because it didn't look anything like me. It looked like a full-grown woman with no hair. But for me at such a young age to want that represented in the thing I cared about, what does that say? What does that mean? It's interesting to think about.
0: I feel similarly, and although I'm coming at this from a male perspective, I'd encourage audience members to think about what they played with when they were young, and especially to parents out there, as I know we have some older listeners. What do you feel comfortable with your children playing with? And does it reflect your childhood? Have you adapted to new toys as they've come out? For those who have daughters, do you think they would play with these? And for those who don't have daughters, do you picture your children being at all interested by this new development? I'd always be curious to hear and Of course, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have any thoughts, feedback, opinions, or comments of any kind, please feel free to reach out to us. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook.
1: Where you can like our page and see when we post new episodes.
0: And you can also email us via strideandsantra at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to and reviewing the show and sharing it with those you think might also enjoy or get something out of this conversation. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing
1: off. And this is Caroline Borders. We'll see you next time.